I'm very glad to be back with you uh, this week. Uh, not to get into a lot of my life, but uh, I had kind of an interesting week. Some of you may have heard, some of you may not have. Uh, my home is in Florida. I have three uh, college-age sons down there, so when we heard Ur- Hurricane Irma was coming, uh, I flew down to get them to a safe place. Uh, we, we briefly in, uh, considered evacuating, uh, driving to Atlanta or someplace, but uh, most of the rest of the state was doing that too. If you watch the news, you, you, uh, you, you probably learned that. So there would have been very little chance of going north. So last week at this time, I was with my three sons in the middle of the state of Florida in what we thought was a safe place when Hurricane Irma began to go through. And we had some damage around us, but nothing major. But when I drove home a week ago, or Monday, last Monday, uh, we found that our our house, which is located near a river, uh, had been flooded. And uh, what's worse, the winds from the hurricane uh, had uh, had toppled a large tree onto our roof and uh, pretty much destroyed one wing of the house. Now, God is good, and we look at, we thank Him for His faithfulness. He protected all of us. None of us were home. This would have come down on the bedroom that uh, one of my sons sleeps in, so he would have certainly been injured if we hadn't evacuated. Uh, we have insurance, uh, and, and we are in a much better place than many, many people in the Caribbean who were impacted by Hurricane Irma. But it, it has been, it, it is now, and it will continue to be uh, one of those sanctifying tools that God uses in our lives as we trust Him that He's in control, that He knows what He's doing, uh, and as we walk through following Him. So that's a little bit about my week, but I'm very glad to be back with you this week and worshiping, and I'm really glad it's a Sunday when we celebrate the Lord's table. You know, the Lord's table for me, in a way that I, I hope to unpack in the few minutes I have this morning, uh, is, is for me uniquely about the body of Christ. And I'll explain a little bit more about what I see in Scripture about that in, in a second. We experience the body. We experience the body in a very tangible way of um, believers that we know down in Florida reaching out to us um, with tangible help, with support. Uh, there are those who continue to help my wife as she's down there dealing with all the details of of getting the house uh, repaired and, and, and getting the rebuilding started. We, we experienced the body and, and many of you who heard reaching out to us in many ways that were very encouraging. We experienced the body and believers reaching out from other churches that we've served. So, so the body is something unique, I think, to Christianity. I've never experienced it in any other sphere of life, whether the military or any other work setting or school setting. I've never experienced what you experience as the body of Christ. And that is one of the things that the Lord's Supper communion reminds us of. So I want to take you this morning, as we come to the Lord's table, I want to take you to a passage that's probably going to be familiar to some of you and maybe totally new to the, to the rest of you. This is the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and he is speaking to a church just like us, and he is speaking about the Lord's Supper. He's speaking about communion. And I want to read this, and I, we're not going to unpack the entire section that I read here, but but I want to focus in on what he says about the body. Let me read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 29, 
And uh, this morning I'm reading from a version of the Bible called the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Paul writes to believers like you and me, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. In other words, everything he's now going to say came to him in a vision from Jesus Christ to Paul as an apostle. So this is the teaching of Jesus spoken in a vision through the, to the apostle Paul. On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So those are the words of Jesus. Now Paul goes back to what else Jesus revealed to him. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, what do you do? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You, in other words, you preach the gospel whenever you take the body and blood symbolized by the bread and the cup. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. And so a man or a woman, a boy or a girl should examine themselves, and in this way they should eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. I want to, in these few minutes this morning, before we come to the Lord's table, I want to talk about what it means for you and me as we come to communion to recognize the body. What does it mean to recognize the body when we take the bread and we take the cup? There's two senses, actually, of body in this Scripture passage. The first one, the one I'm not really going to deal with today, we see in verse 24. These are the words of Jesus. When he broke the bread at the Last Supper, he said, this is my body. What did he mean by that? Well, he meant really what we focus on when we take the bread during communion. He meant that he gave himself, his life, literally, for you and for me to deal with the sin problem that you and I all have. We all are sinners. We are born in sin. We engage in sin regularly. That makes us enemies of God. There's not enough good works that we could ever do to overcome our sinful condition. We needed a perfectly righteous one, one who had never sinned to step into our place as a sacrifice to pay the debt for our sin. And that's what Jesus did when he gave his body, when he allowed himself to be taken captive by the Romans and the Jews, when he allowed himself to be tortured, when he allowed himself to be crucified, when he allowed himself to be killed on the cross. He did that. He allowed his body to be broken. Why? So that you and I, when we put our faith in him, when we trust that what he did is efficacious for our dealing with our sin problem, that as we put our faith in that, it covers our sin. It pays the penalty for a sin in a way that you and I never could do. When we put our faith in that, his body pays the debt for our sin. So when he says, this is my body, when we take the bread in a few minutes and we, we take that bread and we consume that bread, when we do that with the faith that 
what he gave of himself is efficacious. It does cover our sins. That is what he represents when he says, this is my body. It's his tortured, crucified body given for you and for me. That's the sense we're not going to deal with today, but it's there. And when we come to the the, the communion table, uh, we'll be reminded of that. By the way, um, there's a way that you can, I think, make that very real to you. When, when we come to the communion table, use all your senses this morning. Don't zone out and be thinking about where you're going to be for lunch or this afternoon or the games that are on. Use all of your senses. Let those elements remind you of what it is that Jesus did for you. Use your sense of, of touch. As you take that piece of bread and, and you feel the rough texture of it, Remember, let that remind you, sensorily remind you of of how Jesus' body was actually broken, the torture that he went through for you and for me, what it must have been like for him to hang on the cross. When when you see that bread, that whole piece, and and you envision him breaking that bread, uh, imagine his body broken for you and for me. When you see that cup, that blood red color of the juice that we use, let that remind you of his blood poured out for you and for me, that blood, his perfect righteousness, which makes us righteous as we put our faith in it. Use all of your senses as you come to the Lord's table today. That's part of what it means to remember the body. But the sense that I want to really deal with this morning is what we see in verse 29. This is a separate sense of the body that Paul uses here. He says, for whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now, how do I know this is a different sense? Well, notice here, Paul speaks only of the body, not of the blood, like Jesus did in verse 24. He speaks of both the body and the blood. So, he, so Paul differentiates that just by speaking only of the body. Secondly, we see that, that he speaks of the need to recognize the body. This is something we don't hear Jesus saying earlier. This is something that, that Paul wants to zero us in on, to, to focus us in on. He stresses that you and I, as we come to the communion table, we must recognize this sense of the body. So what is it that he's describing? What is it that you and I need to see? Paul is using the body here in verse 29 the same way he does in 1 Corinthians 10, 17 and 1 Corinthians 12, 27. 1 Corinthians 10, 17 on, your, on the screen there. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Let me just give you the Dan version of that. There is a reason we don't take communion individually. There's a reason we take of the one bread together. Why? Because it symbolizes that you and I, all of us, different individuals from different backgrounds, from, from all kinds of, of diversity in, in, in our life situation, under the, the, bre- the blood and, and, and the body of Jesus, we become Together we become one body. That's what he means there, that we who are many, all of us as individuals, are one body, and we symbolize that when we together take communion. He says that as well in chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. 
We, um, we as a church, we have a, a statement of faith. If, uh, if you're interested, you can go on our website, and under who we are, you can look at under what we believe, and you can see the statement of faith. There is one specific part of the statement of faith that speaks directly to what I'm talking about. It's where our statement of faith describes communion. And our statement of faith says this about communion. Um, Oh, let me back up. It says this about the church. We'll get to what it says about communion in, in just a minute. The church is the body of Christ of which Jesus is the head. The members of the church are those who have trusted the finished work of Christ through faith in him. The church, what we're describing there in the way that it's used in, in Scripture, it's not just central church. It's not just this local congregation. It's church in the bigger sense of the word. It's church meaning that every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ becomes part of something that is bigger than themselves, becomes part of something that is even bigger than a local congregation. Let me make it very individual to you. If you have trusted in Jesus' sacrificial death for your sin, if you put your your religious, your faith confidence in his victorious resurrection— if you believe that he is your Savior and your Lord, then you have become a member of his body. He is the head, but we all belong to the one body of which he is the head. We are all the members, the individual members of the body. So in this sense of the body, the body is bigger than this local congregation. It's bigger than any local church. The body is made up of all those who've trusted in Christ Across the span of time, throughout the world, in every place, in every culture, all those who have trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord become part of this one body. And that's what we symbolize when we come together to take communion together. When God saves us, He makes us part of the body of Christ. I think many of us, we fall into the we fall into the trap of thinking that, that, that the Christian life can be lived pretty much individually. You know, we can, we can go online and we can listen to what we want to listen to, or if we don't like one church or another church, we can just hop around and find different churches that we can read what we want to read, and that's, that's more or less the way that we can steer our Christian lives. That's what I'd call Lone Ranger Christianity. And what that misses is the sense that we are not just saved individually. We are saved to be collectively a body. We are saved to be a body that needs each other. We are saved to be a body that that needs each other's gifts, that needs each other's talents, that needs each each other's encouragement, that needs each other's support. That's, That's what we experience, my family experienced this week through Hurricane Irma. We experienced that very real sense in which the body came around, came around us some, in some very practical ways and some just simply very encouraging ways. We felt part of the body even in the midst of the calamity in our lives. So communion, the Lord's Supper, reminds us that that's what we have as Christians, that we are part of the body, that we who are many are one body. There's a writer named Charlie Drew. I love a lot of what he says, and and he speaks of this when he says that, you know what, if you become a Christian, you become part of an involuntary community. He says this about the church. Church is not an event. Church is people, 
people whom God calls us to love. It is in a very important sense an involuntary community of people. We don't choose our brothers or sisters. God chooses us. Think about that for a minute. You may think that you have chosen to become part of Central Church, but the reality is God has drawn you here. And you have been drawn here to be part of a body with many people whom are very different from you, some who you wouldn't naturally choose as friends or family members. And yet God has drawn you. God has drawn us together in an involuntary community. Charlie goes on. Sometimes, actually oftentimes, those people are not terribly compatible with us. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced rubbing up against people in the church who, I'm not sure I like that person, or that person seems a little strange, or that person rubs me the wrong way? Not the people that we would choose to hang out with. But notice this. This is the truth of the body. This very incompatibility that is so important, it's important for two reasons. First of all, learning to love people that I don't like is by far the best way to learn how to love. Because frankly, it's easy to learn to love people that we happen to like. But secondly, because of what Christ has done, the church is supposed to be something we don't see anywhere else in society. It's supposed to be a sociological miracle, a demonstration that Jesus has died and risen to create a new humanity composed of all sorts of people. We don't see that anywhere else in the world. We don't see that anywhere else in our society. We see people divided by political parties. We see people divided by ideology. We see people divided by gender, by race, by ethnic group, by age. But in the church, when the church is functioning as Christ intended the church to work, we see a sociological miracle. We see people from different political parties, people from different genders, from different races, from different ethnic groups, all coming together because we have the one thing in common that Christ has saved us, that we put our faith in what his, this bread and this cup represent for us today. It is truly a sociological miracle. And when it is really functioning as Christ intends for it to function, it becomes one of the strongest witnesses to the world around us that God is real, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is what truly saves, is the only thing that truly saves. So I want to bring you back, even for this morning, to verse 29. What does it mean, if all this is true, what does it mean that as we take the bread and cup, even this morning, we're to do so recognizing the body? It means, first of all, this, that you and I, this morning, we're going to share the same bread and the same cup that we recognize that there is a sameness to us. We're going to recognize as we do this this morning that through the death of Jesus Christ, we have all been joined together as part of Christ's body. As different as we are, maybe as diverse an amount of, of opinions and ideologies and backgrounds that we have, he joins us together by his cleansing blood. He joins us together by forgiving our sins. He joins us together by giving us new life. Secondly, we come to the table together because we recognize that 
as parts of the body need each other, as, as literally my fingers need my, my, my palms and my wrists and my arms and my shoulders and the rest of my body, we each need each other. We each are members that need the other members of the body. We are not Lone Ranger Christians. We are not independent of each other. Each other, we are gifts to each other through Christ. And so we share this meal together because we recognize that God has brought us together as an involuntary community. Some people you might naturally choose to come together with, some people that you might never choose to come together with. But God has brought us together and called us to love each other. So this morning, we invite all of you who have been saved by God's grace through faith in Christ's substitutionary death to join us in this meal as an involuntary community, the, the involuntary community of the body that God has formed here at Central Church. In just a moment, we're going to pass the elements. I've got something I want to do really quick first. But this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. Maybe sometimes when the elements are passed on a communion Sunday, you take them right away. I'm going to ask you to hold them this morning. Because what I'd like us to do after this little video that we're going to play is I would like to lead us in taking these elements together. Again, recognizing we are the body, that we do this together. Let's take this together this morning. So when the elements are passed, which will be in a couple minutes, if you'd hold them, uh, I'll lead us through in taking them. I just want to end my, my, um, my, my meditation, my sermonette this morning with a very practical application. Here's what one member of our congregation, here's how she reflected on what it means to be part of the body. Here's how she personally determined is a way that she can reach out and become more connected with other members of the body, members of the body that she didn't know when she began this. This is Vivian Cole. She's one of our senior members. Listen to what she has to say about how she recognizes the body and acts in a practical way upon that. You know, people say, the Lord told me to do this, or the Lord said this, or God said this. And I was real skeptical about that. And I found out that the Lord does speak to you, not always audibly, but He does speak to you. My name is Vivian Cole, and I went to talk to Brother Dan about an idea that God had planted in my head. The idea was that if we had people all over the sanctuary uh, look around, they sit in the same chair every pew every day, and if they would look around and find those people that come and go that are not connected, get their names and their telephone numbers, and when they don't go to church, call them, tell them they've been missed. It would make them feel more welcome. Picked a man in front of me. At the time, I didn't know a thing about him. I got his name and his telephone number. And then when he didn't come, I called him. And when I called him, I told him who I was. And, you know, and he said, well, that's the sweetest thing I ever heard. And he told me why he didn't come. And, he said, I am just fine, and thank you so much for calling. So when he came the next time, I went up behind him and put my hands behind his, uh, on each shoulder, put my head 
face down close to his face and he said, Good morning, how are you? He said, I am so blessed. This man that was 100 years old. I believe that community is important in church because it reflects the attributes of Jesus. If God moves you to reach out to somebody else, do it. The, the rewards are limitless. You ask and He will answer. I'm not sure Vivian even knew what she was doing. Yeah. She was recognizing the body. She stopped treating coming to service just as a spectator event where you come in, you experience the service, and you leave. She began to look out to people who she didn't even know and begin to reach out to them, especially outside of the service when she noticed somebody didn't show up that she had met. She is recognizing the body. She's saying, I am part of something that is bigger than me. I am bound to people, my brothers and sisters here, ones I don't even know, through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to live like that. I'm going to act like that. Let that be a challenge to you. Who is it that you can reach out to recognizing the body? Will those serving communion come forward? Again, as the elements are passed, Would you wait until all have been served, and then I'll lead us through the taking of the elements. As we come together to take uh, the elements that reminds us of Christ's broken body and his shed blood, I think it's important, first of all, to say that this is a meal that is extended to those of us who have trusted in Christ for what he has done. And if for some reason you are here and your religious confidence is in the fact that you've been a pretty good person, or you think you've lived a good enough life, that is not what this represents, and this meal is not for you. But even today, you can embrace that. Even today, you can recognize, I am a sinner. I do deeply need what Christ has done by his perfect righteousness. You can make taking this Lord's Supper today your act of turning to Christ in repentance and faith. Let's take the bread, first of all. Just as you think of this bread, as you feel this bread, as you look at this bread, let it remind you this morning of his body broken for you, of the torture that he endured, of that torturous crucifixion, of of dying on the cross, all as a payment for your and my sin, all as a satisfaction of God's wrath against our sin. And so when we take this this morning, what are we recognizing? We are recognizing we are sinners. We are recognizing we do need what he did on the cross. We are recognizing that Jesus is the only way in what he has done for us at the cross. Let's pray and then we'll take of the bread. Lord Jesus, we recognize that you are the perfect sacrifice. We recognize that our sin needed to be covered, needed to be atoned for that this is the only way the Father's wrath against our sin could be satisfied. And we are so thankful, Lord Jesus, that you willingly gave your life. You willingly endured that suffering, that torture, that death, that we could be saved. And so we take this, putting all of our faith, all of our religious confidence in what, not what we did, but in what you have done for us. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Amen. In the cup, as you look at the the blood red color, let that color of that juice remind you of his very real blood that was poured out. That blood that scripture uses as an image of righteousness, that in Jesus' blood being poured out and that being covering us, we are covered not with our own righteous deeds, not with our own ability to be good people, to be good Christians, but in his goodness, in his perfect righteousness. As we take this cup this morning, that's what we put our confidence in. Let's pray, and then we'll take the cup. Once again, Lord Jesus, we thank you for what this reminds us of, that you were perfectly righteous, that no sin ever stained you, that you were the only sinless one, and so you are a worthy sacrifice. Not only could you deal with our sin problem, but you imputed to us your perfect righteousness. And we drink this, Lord, this morning, recognizing that this is an expression of our faith, that our religious confidence is in the fact that when God looks at us, he sees us covered in your righteousness. We thank you for the new life that this symbolizes. We thank you for the promise of eternity and heaven that this symbolizes. We are so thankful for all you have done for us, Lord Jesus. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Would you stand for the benediction? I'd remind you just of one last thing that Paul said there in 1 Corinthians 11. Every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection till he comes. In other words, every time we do this, we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim that that's what we're all about, what it means to be saved by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of the Father, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And I hope to see you at starting points. It's right up there, right immediately following the service. Have a blessed week.